mercy and effort. So, bhakti comes to us as an opportunity. Even when we're not looking for bhakti, perhaps, we may even engage in bhakti, so to speak, without any effort, without even knowing we're doing it. You hear the devotees chanting, for example. For um, you, someone gives you mahaprasadam, right? So that'll have power because the Srupsita Bhakti is inherent in Bhakti, so it's like fire. If you touch it, you get burned, whether you think you will or not, right? So, that, that said, we are also told about these types of bhakti and the power of that type of bhakti to uh, inspire us. Point being that if
means to look deeply what is in our heart. Because Krishna is ultimately Bhava Grahijana. This is actually work on the heart. I thought in that way. Yeah, well, motive is the same thing. I mean, effort, motive, we, have, we make that. Um, um, yeah, it's re- related, similar. Um, you, uh, if your uh, heart's in the right place, then you're going to give yourself more fully and your heart somewhere else, then you're not going to make the same effort uh, and so forth. And when we use the heart as a metaphor, it's kind of like if the heart stops, you're finished. The brain could stop, you could continue on. But, uh, so the heart's like center that metaphorically space on everything, so completely giving yourself. So it, it really kind of speaking about the mood of Sharanam. So Krishna tells him, Here's Bhakti, I love you. Here, please do it. So he says, Become my devotee. And how to do it. So empty your heart of anything else. Be only in there. Give yourself to me. Um, there could be different motives than the modes of influence of the modes of nature. Someone could engage in bhakti. Dominated by a, a mood that created by um, or fostered by Tamaguna, Rajaguna, Satguna, and so forth. Um, also, so that you could, you could maybe look at that as uh, motive issues, so forth. So, yeah, I mean, it's effort, motive. Yeah. 
Similarly, in the spiritual world, in the loka, let's say, which is what you're asking about, in the brush, is there happiness and stress there? Looks like it, right? Sometimes gopis are crying. Sometimes Mother Yisod is crying. Krishna's gone before us. He won't be back. He might not come back. Something might happen. Sometimes Krishna is disappointed. He cannot get Radha's attention. Right? But, um, just like in material life, there's no real happiness. There, there's no real suffering. So even this apparent suffering is um, a source of happiness. The devotees only want to please Krishna. Whatever pleases him makes them happy. Even, even if it means separation from him. Still, there's bliss in the separation. And so it's a leela, it's a drama. This is the way to look at it. In a drama, there are the bad guys and the good guys. But it's just a drama. Right? They're not, there's no real bad guys in there. So uh, there's no real suffering in Krishna Leela. There's only an appearance of such. And the best example or the closest thing to actual suffering is, is separation from Krishna. But instead, it makes the heart grow fonder. The gopis lost Krishna's company in the Rasalila after risking everything to meet him at night, and then disappeared. Um, and so, in their separation from him, they were suffering. But Krishna told them, I disappeared because I knew that in separation from me, your love would grow fonder. He gave the example that if you have something, let's say some some valuable thing, get some valuable thing. Its real value is known and felt and appreciated when you lose it. Oh. It's that in union between the devotee and Krishna, there is one Krishna. In separation from Krishna, there are millions of Krishnas. Everywhere you look, everything reminding you of Krishna. Um, I see him in that, I see him in that, I see him in that. Hmm? So, if anything, the separation, the apparent distress, is actually uh, uh, happiness uh, accentuated uh, uh, um, uh, to another degree. Again, it's very well, that's, that's the climax of the Christian Leela. Christian disappears in the Gopis. And then their love just increases. And then he goes, Oh God, holy cow, he says. What kind of love is that? I have to taste that. What they're experiencing, that is the birth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, there's a saying in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Paya Nisha Dwala Hoye Vidyare Anandamoy Krishna Premier Atputa Chari Paya Nisha Dwala Hoye Vidyare Anandamoy Krishna Premier Atputa Chari Atputa Charit, the wonderful, astonishing character of praying is that on the outside it looks like poison, like suffering. But bhaya, bhaya, pisha, jalapoy, pitare, anandamoy. But on the inside it's full of ananda. This is the astonishing characteristic of praying. Material life is just the opposite. It looks good on the outside, 
if your material life is successful, but on the inside, it's uh, it's actually suffering. At least suffering in in progress. So that's it. There's a difference between sadhana and and sadhana bhakti and brain bhakti. Again, in sadhana bhakti, then you have the opportunity to do things that are favorable to Krishna, but you're also faced with the opportunity to do things that are not favorable to Krishna. So you have to choose things that are favorable for Krishna, right? All the time. But in Rasa, there's no such choice because the environment there is not the material Maya Shakti. The environment is Krishna's Surup Shakti. And Krishna's Surup Shakti is existing only for the purpose of pleasing Krishna in newer and newer and more and more nuanced ways. So there's no opportunity to displease Krishna. Bhakti has now become mature. But the way in which that, that mature bhakti, brain bhakti, expresses itself is in the context of the drama of the Lila. So, um, there, there are apparent problems. Hmm? There's a huge problem for Vatsalya Rasa because all the mothers of all the gopis want their daughters to marry Krishna. But according to Krishna's astrological chart, it's not a good idea because he's going to go away to a distant city. So, they're suffering from this. But this makes, this is part of the makeup of Parakya. Which gives Krishna so much pleasure, so we have to look at the whole picture. Madhurya Rasa, Vatsalya Rasa, Sakya Rasa. These are completely pleasing to Krishna, but they're fully expressions of motherhood, friendship, and romance. And so, and that's why they're pleasing, because he really is the son of Mother Yasoda. She really is his mother, and she really is expressing motherhood for him. And in the context of expressing motherhood, uh, mothers have to chastise their children. It's just like part of it. If there was, you know, if there was never any that that aspect wasn't there, it would be like it's not it's not the real. Yeah, it's not really motherhood, something like that. Hmm? Uh, so, there are full expressions of these things that are Christian centered and have all the elements, all the ingredients of such of motherhood, of friendship, of romantic life, and so forth. But all centered on Krishna, and all the negatives, even, are also positives. So, the motive, we're talking about motive, the motive of everyone is, is to please Krishna. But it plays out in different ways in, in the context of the drama. One man in this world comes before the deity of Krishna. Swami is giving a discourse on the Bhagavad Gita. Many Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis are present, and Mr. Patel comes in, he steps over people, he ignores the speaker, uh, he, he goes up in front of the deity, and he, and he pulls out a, a flower, and then he goes and makes, it, makes an offering. Well, I'm just depicting a classical English Dhanikari. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but anyway, he makes an offering to Krishna who offers the flower. Other than stepping over by everybody and ignoring the Vaishnava discourse, I mean, he does, looks like he's making a nice offering to Krishna, right? He's 
He's not interested in anybody else. Only Krishna. Not the Vaishnava, not doesn't want to hear anything, any talk, any philosophy. He just wants to offer a prayer to Krishna. How pure. <laughs> so he make, takes his flower, he offers it to Krishna, and, and he reaches in his pocket, in his wallet, and he puts one paisa. <laughs> looks like there's so many bills here. Don't ever change it. <laughs> it's in there. And, and so he, he makes the offering. But anyway, in his heart, he's making the offering, but in his heart he wants something material. He wants to have, have to get a new wife or something. Bring Krishna. So, that's not cool. It may look like when he's making an offering and saying, Meanwhile, Mother Yashoda is tying him up. That looks the opposite. Hmm? Krishna must be, how could Krishna be pleased? He's crying. He's obviously not pleased. Hmm? Bring that man. Get rid of Yashoda. Bring Mr. Patel here. Hmm? Mr. Patel knows how to please Krishna. Mother Yashoda, she's, she's tying him up. He's crying. So this does not understand the nature of, of the Leela and how it plays itself out fully with regard to friendship, romance, and um, maternal or parental love, but with motive only police Krishna. Again, she's dying up because she's afraid he might run away and she wants to keep him there. And uh, that man just doesn't want Krishna, he wants a new wife. He's, a, he's paying for it too. How much? <laughs> you understand? Does that help? Because he really goes through it. Krishna, because I know one of the Goswamis, I don't know who wrote that. Krishna, he doesn't pretend. He really goes through crying, suffering, and it's real. It's real. But at the same time, it's pleasing him. So he draws from that other stuff and I, I try to understand what he draws from that situation, that Yashoda's love or, or something. Even if he's crying, he's happy. That's what it yeah, is. even if he's crying, blissful. It's a form of bliss. It's an expression of bliss. Mm-hmm. It's, which is nuanced. So there are many different uh, nuanced expressions of, of such. Um, but everything about Vatsalderas, everything about Bhakti Rasa is, is pleasing to Krishna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yes, he really, he really suffers in the leela. But there's no suffering. So, you know, maybe uh, I've given this example for me to help somebody ask me once that Swami, in Krishna Leela, is there? Is there any real sex life? <laughs> that was his question. You know, any, you know, any real sex life? <laughs> so I said, no, you understand. In the material world, there's no real sex life. <laughs> so here we only have this sem- semblance of, of, of things that we try to relate to what goes on there from here, but it's not, you know, uh, apples to apples, something like that. It's a, so, um, so again, in order to illustrate that, I say everything there is suffering, really. everything there is joy. Um, so, but it does play itself out like that. He does cry. He does feel afraid that uh, his mother's chasing him. So, their love causes his omniscience to go to the background. And what it caught, I mean, the only reason she's chasing him is because she loves him. Right? The only reason Radha won't let him come into the, into the, into her house is because she loves him. And it's just a way in which that love is expressed. She's upset with him because she heard that he had a meeting with Chandravali. If she didn't love him, she wouldn't care. And so did with Chandravali, who cares? But because she loves him, she cares. So, she's mad at him, 
manifest expression of her love for him. He feels that she's mad, and he has to suffer the consequences, but, but he's also feeling her love, so it's, 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 it's pleasing to him. So, but I suggest you, you go there. <laughs> yes. According to Abhinavagupta, um, the aesthetic feelings are different from like, uh, from from what we experience in uh, so-called real life, material life, because uh, it's like on the stage you you see someone crying or you see them something ugly from a material perspective, but uh, within the realm of uh, art. It is still beautiful in, yeah. in some way. What, uh, what do you think about this concept and how does it correspond to the idea of spiritual world and, emo- and emotions there? Well, like I said, it's a drama, right? <laughs> Na przykład tak jak na scenie aktor odgrywa, jak swoją rolę płacze, jest tam rozpacz, czasami coś strasznego się dzieje, czasami coś bardzo brzydkiego, ale ze estetycznego punktu widzenia, to mówi, że jest to sztuka, jest to wszystko piękne. I, I z tego czerpie się też jakąś przyjemność, oglądając to, nawet jeśli są jakieś straszne sceny, jest to rodzaj przyjemności, kiedyś to Czy w jaki sposób to można porównać do tego, do platformy duchowej? So Abhinav Gupta is a, is a secular uh, author of Ras Shastra or Indian aesthetic theory in poetry, drama, in the arts, and so forth. And uh, Rupa Goswami took that uh, uh, secular Ras Shastra from Bharata, Vishwanath, not Vishwanathakrita, another Vishwanath. Gupta and so forth, and, and then he used that structure hmm, to explain Krishna Lila and, and Bhakti Rasa. Hmm. And so the question is about the idea that when the drama is performed, or let's say you do a movie and you're watching a movie, you're sitting in a chair, hmm, but you are transported into the emotions of. Uh, the movie, and relative to the discussion, I guess, there are sad emotions in the movie that you can experience also. You're in your chair, you're kind of transported there, and uh, you're experiencing the melancholy or the distress, and, um, uh, but it's still, it's one step removed from your present reality, you're now in the realm of art, and so it's not really distressful in the same way as if uh, you actually felt that outside of the theater personally and experienced it. You're experiencing it in a way that is that has transported you beyond the realm of your immediate experience. And so, you're in the realm of art, and in the realm of art, even the, even, even the sadness has some, some beauty, some value and happiness to it. That's what you're talking about, right? So it helps to explain the point. Um, so, of course, um, among such Secular Ross theorists, statisticians, or whatever, the idea was that you were transported from your immediate situation, which is bodily and mental identification, into this realm of the arts, which is like the upper realm of material existence. It's very subtle and refined. And if you have a sympathetic heart for the arts, then you can hear the symphony. You can go to the opera and, uh, and, and the drama. And you're, 
transported there beyond your immediate situation and this transportation that takes place that takes you there is their idea is something like Brahman. You've gone beyond the body-mind conditioning. And so you get a semblance of, of, of the taste of Brahman. That's how they talk about it. Uh, some people say, uh, I'll that example from the Sundarva <laughs> that uh, he showed me the other day. But, um, so, just a theory. Of course, Rupa Goswami's theory is about bhakti rasa, but it, we see the parallels here. So now it's bhakti rasa. It's not, this is or, these are ordinary dramas. Like, what's his name? You know, like, uh, Kalidas, great poet. Maybe anybody has some sympathetic part of the arts, you know, they, 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 you understand what we're talking about. So, you've gone. But Mahaprabhu said, Naranam, Naranam, Nasundaram, Kovitam, Ah. So, he's saying, don't mistake the transporting kind of effect of the arts, this very refined, cultured uh, sensibilities. How it removes you to some extent from everyday life. Don't conflate that with bhakti. He says, bhakti is nadam, no interested in wealth, nadam, nadam, no followers, opposite sex, nadam, kavitam bhakti, kavitam bhakti, or the arts. Hmm? Oh, this is us. Sattva Guna. The more you go in Sattva Guna, the more there's, there's a happiness in Sattva Guna. Sattva Guna is characterized by happiness. Very, very, the Gyanis go to a very, very refined state of Sattva Guna. Hmm? In a very refined state of Sattva Guna, you can, you can, you can know what it means to be an Atma. That doesn't mean you have Brahman, you haven't entered into Brahman. But uh, you can be like Jiva like Mukta or something like that. So happiness in Sattva Guna, if there's any happiness in the material world. <laughs> so anyway, so, um, so Rupa Goswami is you know, playing on that to some extent, uh, that whole theory. But the drama now is, is, is Krishna Leela. And by hearing about Krishna, you get transported into the Leela, and you, 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 this is higher stages of bhakti, in Bhav bhakti, and you transport it, and you experience it come out, and go back in, uh, rather than taste, experiencing Brahman, you experience Dasya Sakya. So, does that help? Yeah, yeah. Interesting concept, yes. Uh, Maharaj, I got a question about experiencing Krishna in the spiritual world. Like it is said that, uh, for example, gopis uh, during the Rasa dance, each of them feels that Krishna is with them. In the what? Uh, gopis in Rasa dance, they feel that each of them feels that Krishna is with yeah. her. Yeah. And the same like uh, uh, his friends when they eat lunch, each of them feels that Krishna is by his side. But then we got uh, Manjaris or, or on the Gopa side, we have also some assistants of the mm-hmm. direct threats, and I was wondering how they experience uh, Krishna, this indirect experience of Krishna, or somehow they also feel that Krishna is uh, focusing on them. My question is that it is written that when the Gopi dance with Krishna, every one of them feels that Krishna dances with him, or when the Gopi pastors see him lunch, every one of them feels that Krishna is with him. Ale mamy na przykład mandżari, które są służkami, które nie mają bezpośredniego kontaktu z Kryszną, albo chłopcy, pasterze, które są asystentami i bezpośredni przyjaciół. Zastanawiałem się, jak oni odczuwają obecność Kryszny. Experience the same bhava by identification um, with the bhava. 
So, for example, the handmaidens of God or other, or other uh, Gopi group leaders, excuse me, their handmaidens experience their bhava. So it's indirect in one sense. But the experience is, is no different. So, they experience the bhava. And the context of their position in the Libra, they may have direct service to Krishna also at times. Um, but the Manjari example is a good one because it, it speaks about serving the, the it's like it's gopi bhav in the context of serving the gopis. If you study the commentaries, you find that the manjaris are also there in, in Rasalila. But yeah, they're not dancing the Krishna singing, but the dancing that he's doing, they're experiencing nonetheless um, by way of being fully identified with and serving the Bhav of those that are. Does that help? Yes. Yeah. In um, Chaitanya Mila, there's uh, many of the prominent Kirtan pastimes uh, take place on the island where Mayapur is. I can't remember if it's Antidu, um, but that yeah. island. Um, so, like Srivast Kirtans and Kazi and all that kind of thing. But, but yesterday in your reading, we were talking about Gudrundu and how Gudrundu represents Kirtan. So, I was wondering why Gudrundu over um, Mayapur and under Rebus or Anthony Raiden. Mm. Um, I don't know who it was, but maybe not even know who made that determination of the different islands, but not the nine islands and not even how they correspond with the different angas of of um of Bhakti. But it's um, Correspond to the angas of bhakti, and they correspond also with different um, different places in the Brajali. But the way they, they those places in Brajali manifest in Navadvip, it's like scattered. Why is this over here? Why is Govardhan over there? And so sometimes the answer is because when Rajavila comes here, it gets a little mixed up because after all, Krishna's now trying to become Radha and everything's turned around backwards and uh, so on. <laughs> so, um, that's something about why there's not more like kind of gra- geographical uh, um, sense uh, the way there is in Raj where everything is and why it doesn't you know, play out exactly the same. But I'm uh, not answering the question. So, um, um, and as I say, I don't know of uh, anywhere else that uh, that has been uh, described other than by the popular note. Now that I, you know, you bring it to my attention, the, the identification of the different islands with different Angas of Navalakshan Bhakti, Shravadam, Kirtan, which is one of nine of them. Um, so I would have to think about that, and, and uh, I would like to see if there's an earlier reference for one, and secondarily, then if not, um, if Bhakti ever gives any, any reasoning for that, per se. Um, and I can't um, recall. Hearing that previously, so can't give a satisfactory answer to your question. Is that satisfactory? <laughs> 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 and Ritu Dweep is identified with Sakharas, why is it good room? That was the question I had, but I know it's happening.
subject in Padigodrums is not a ground. That is a famous place in Braj. And then by Vatsaki Rasa. Also, the what else is there? Philosophically, that are wrong. I mean, 
this time, so he instructs him in that way, um, even philosophically, while that answer may not be entirely, in all circumstances, philosophically um, correct. So, uh, let's say, you know, we see this, for example, someone may say that uh, that Hare uh, in the Hare Krishna mantra it means uh, Hara Radha and someone else may say you know, no, it doesn't mean that it means Hari it means Krishna so both could be right And 
treading the path of bhakti for those who are eligible begins with what? Hmm? No, no, what does it begin with? If you have faith, right, and you have eligibility to engage in bhakti, so what's the first? Yeah, Guru, Guru Parashra, take shelter of the Guru. And in the context of taking shelter of the Guru, there's initiation, initiation. So the qualification then is faith. That's the principle. Now you could add something there that we want to initiate them after you see this and that, some Buddhist charger, even though the name doesn't depend upon such. So those are details. Uh, even, even, even the interpretation of them, they're from the Bhagavatam, right? Raj Parikshit, Maharaj was told, these are the places where you can find Kali, Kali Yuga, where there is uh, intoxication, uh, gambling, animal, himsa, violence, so these things could be interpreted even the words in different ways. Some people would interpret street as no no prostitution. Don't be a prostitute. Don't go to a prostitute. You follow that. So, so. Or if you don't, then call you. Or someone could say, is this street means women, so you can't have a woman in your life. That. that would be a even though teaching that would be a wrong interpretation. Prabhupada interpreted it in two ways. He said that one should have uh, sexual intimacy only with a married partner for procreation. And then sometimes he said you should have sexual uh, intimacy with a married partner only with a married partner. Not another one, not somebody else. He gave two interpretations of that, for example. So even even the regulative principles could be interpreted differently. Um, but they're not principles, they're details. So even, even the interpretations are further details. So, and they're good, it's, it's a good idea, and uh, so forth. But the principle is, we learn from Dr. Russell just into the what character, what what makes one eligible for treading the path of body, which begins with taking shelter of the guru and receiving initiation is, is faith. And therefore we find, for example, Dr. Nutsal, he did not open a marketplace, he's selling the holy name for faith. He's not asking, did you follow the regulatory details? <laughs> There, there's some idea that, 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 that develops that by doing something else, let me give you an example. Uh, ahimsa is not an anga of bhakti. Right? So, how can you do ahimsa? Which would mean, for example, uh, no mediating would be an expression of ahimsa, right? How can you do ahimsa and get bhakti? How can ahimsa qualify you for bhakti? So it becomes a problem when these um, things, for example, ahimsa, which would be one of the regulative details, um, is thought to qualify one. For bhakti. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this idea that something else you have to do to qualify yourself to get bhakti, but nothing can qualify you more than bhakti yourself. And the only and all you need in order to take advantage of that qualifying agency is faith in her ability to qualify you. Mm-hmm. That's that's the generosity of bhakti, and that's the power of bhakti. If you want to have pursued gyan, then you do need other things. You need a clean heart, for example. You don't need a clean heart to take up bhakti, and there's nothing that can clean your heart more comprehensively than bhakti. 
So if we uh, require something more than faith, and we think something more than faith in bhakti is required to qualify someone for bhakti, then we're um, minimizing the power and virtue and efficacy of bhakti herself. That's that said, I mean, Guru is certainly um, able to ask disciples to conduct themselves in certain ways before he initiates them. But uh, but this is the principle. If faith is not there and they're following the principles and the details, then that's not going to be uh, something missing significantly in the equation. Yes. Uh, would, you, would you consider also to recommend those words which weren't completely oppressed uh, directly to devotees, but to outsiders to Vaishnava world, like Vaishnava Siddhartha Mala by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, as kind of abbreviate foundation of philosophical uh, basics for any Vaishnava to, to know, as also part of, of uh, because Bhaktivinoda Samhita Sindhu. Uh, without the proper guidance, might be also a bit, uh, uh, how to say, uh, hard to uh, study itself, because it's a very, very precise description, and as a handbook, it might be a bit, it, it, it requires some good guidance. And uh, But uh, those works, uh, as I mentioned, like uh, Vaishnava Siddhartha Mala, are really a really clear um, way of understanding the basics, really ABC. Or Of course, of course. But I'm talking in general about uh, maybe this Vaishnava Siddhartha Mala is not so well known and read as Madhuri Akadamini, at least from my perspective when I speak with other people. So, what's your question? Of course, is the book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to recommend to read it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I will translate it into Polish. Zapytałem Maharaja, bo Rasana pyta o to, czym są jakby podstawowe zasady, jakieś takie podstawy, które można by było sobie jakby przyswoić, powtarzać i mieć pewność, że to jest właśnie esencja. Więc oprócz Bakira Samita Syndu, która jest dość skomplikowaną pozycją i wymaga, myślę, myślę że, że jakiejś pomocy, jeśli chodzi o studiowanie, ze względu na uszczegółowienie treści, są takie prace, jak na przykład dość krótka, krótka rzecz pod tytułem Vaishnava Siddhanta Mala, Bhaktivinoda Takura, gdzie w bardzo krótki, punktowy sposób wypisane są podstawowe prawdy w wiśmulizmu. A praca była przygotowana na użytek ludzi zachodu. Więc, więc jeśli ktoś czyta Maduria Kadamini, a nie sięgną do Vaishnava Siddhanta Mala, to polecam, pytam, czy ma w Polsce. Ja myślę, że, że tak. Okay.